Welcome to Kingdom Connection with Pastor Jensen Franklin. If you're married, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about your spouse? What if you found out they had just been in a car accident? What would be the first thing that comes to your mind then? I know that feels mean, but if you're like most of us, those two answers are probably different. Do you remember when you first met how crazy you were about one another? Life happens, things get loud, feelings get hurt, and some expectations go unmet. If we're not careful, we can lose the love that brought us together in the first place. Let's join Pastor Franklin for an encouraging dive into Scripture as we learn how to make love last. If you have your Bibles, you can open them with me. I want to share tonight from Philippians, the second chapter. I'm going to read a few Scriptures because I think they're important. And then I'm just going to teach some principles that God has laid upon my heart, some thoughts that I want to share with you. Verse three of Philippians chapter two, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only to your own interest, but for the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. I tried to come up with a good title. I I had one come to me down there a while ago that I'm going to go with, and they don't even know it in the the area that worries about this. (laughs) But... um, But I'm going to call this making love last. And the reason I'm going to call it making love is I just like to say that in church. Making love last. So it's kind of spiritual, but not all spiritual. How many of you like those kind of sermons? Yeah, I know you do, you bunch of heathens. Turn to your neighbor and tell them my sermon and emphasize the part that you like. Making love last. Okay, we got it. You might not remember the sermon, but you got the title down. (laughs) What happens in our relationships is we start out with a tremendous expectation. You promised me, you told me you would, you said you would, you, you, you committed that you would. Expectation. And in between expectation and the end result, which is behavior, is this little area right here called believes all things, supposed to be. And what we've got to learn is this, expectation is, you know, he promised me he would not be late. He promised me that he would be here at four o'clock. But what I'm looking at is it is 4.30 and he is not here. Now what has to happen is what are you going to do with the gap between expectation and behavior? Is you have a choice. Listen carefully. You are supposed to believe the best or you can assume the worst. 
And the reason that a lot of people get in arguments and get in fights is they have expectations and the person lets them down. I knew you wouldn't call him. I knew you wouldn't do it. I knew she wouldn't do it. I bet he's talking to somebody about something stupid. In this gap between expectation and behavior, love does not assume the worst. I knew he wouldn't take care of it. I was waiting on him to not take care of it so I could have more points to tell him how bad he is or vice versa so I could tell her how bad she is. And we assume the worst instead of believe the best. When you believe the best, it kind of goes like this. Well, something really important must have come up. And you're believing the best. You're hoping for the best. But when you assume the worst, you say things like, I have to do everything. And I knew that he was no good with money or whatever. And, and you assume the worst instead of believe the best. Do you tend to go this way? When they don't live up to expectation, your husband or your wife or do you tend to go this way? Because that's the issue, isn't it? Because when you consistently go this way, you're destroying love in a marriage. Well, what about them? There's certainly places where you have to correct and talk and get things together. But the atmosphere of the marriage has to be believe the best instead of assume the worst. It has to be. It has to be if you want to make love that last. People who stay in love have the same gap all the time. They start out with expectation and somebody lets them down. But the difference is they believe the best. They believe the best. One writer said people he did a study of marriages, researched marriages, and he said that healthy marriages that have lasted 10 years or more have an unrealistic view. Their partner actually rated higher in every single category when they ask about them. And they, he concluded that love is blind. Listen to these words. And he said that the healthy marriages are marriages that are generous in their explanation of why their mate is not doing what they expected. They're generous. Isn't that good wording? They're generous in their explanation to themselves of why my mate let me down. They're generous. They believe the best, not assume the worst. I'm preaching Better than you're letting on right now. <laughs> Literally, love is blind. They find the most generous explanation. And I mean, I know, I know you can do that because that's exactly what you did when you started dating that person and fell in love with them. My God, everybody tried to tell you they weren't all that. And all you did was gave a generous explanation of, I know, but you just don't know him like I know him. And you don't. see, what were you doing? You were believing the best instead of assuming the worst. 
You chose to give a generous explanation. And the question is, do you now, years later, start off as soon as something happens and these two come together and all of a sudden this is all you have and all of a sudden this is all you expect and all of a sudden you just start saying, this is my life and this is my marriage and this is who he is and this is going to never change. And, and let me tell you something about this. The deal is no guy or no, no girl wants to disappoint you that loves you. This is, a, this, is going to be a, this is going to be a strange thing to you, but the truth is, no, I'll speak for myself. I never want to let my wife down. Never have I done it intentionally trying to hurt her or trying, and I know she hasn't me. She's not that kind of person. But what happens is after you have a few of these expectation behavior, he let me down again, she let me down again, here we go again, we start assuming the worst. And it just accumulates. But when you begin to believe the best, the miracle of this is whatever this person is doing, they start moving in this direction because you've created a space. You've created positivity that they can begin to thrive and move in. So do you assume the best or do you go negative immediately when somebody doesn't measure up to your expectations? I'm almost done, so hang in there. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Do you quickly go to negative or do you assume the best when that person doesn't? Meet the expectation that you had. The last thing we want to do is disappoint. But what happens, and it's so true, is we start creating that atmosphere. You create a margin when you believe the best. In Philippians chapter 2, what I read at the beginning of this message is one of the most beautiful patterns for marriage. And here it is. He said, let nothing be done in selfish ambition. Selfish ambition and vain conceit. In other words, I don't want competitiveness in the marriage. Let her talk and quit interrupting her. And don't try to correct. Just let her tell it wrong if she's telling it wrong. <laughs> then he says something powerful. Rather in humility, no selfish ambition, no conceit, no acting like you're more important than your, than your, than your spouse. Rather in humility, value the other above yourself. Don't compete with them. Value them. They are, Jesus, Paul wrote 2,000 years ago, if you want to know how to love somebody, here's how you do it. Not with selfish ambition and conceit and competition, but rather in humility, value the other person above yourself. Treat them like they're more important than you are. 
the most important person in the room. Have you ever been in a room where somebody famous was? Have you ever met somebody famous? Have you, have you ever been in a room where somebody who is a, like a, a household name? I have. And I'm going to tell you, it's an intimidating thing. And, and when there's somebody famous in the room, I'm talking about big name person. I promise you, you defer all attention to them. You don't interrupt them when they talk. You don't not notice them. You don't treat them bad. You don't overlook them. You don't walk in front of them. You don't do any of that because you vow, you, my goodness, the most important person in the room is not me. Let, let me put it this way. Have you ever been to a wedding? Well, of course you have. You know what? Listen to me carefully. The person that was most important, this is going to be mind-blowing to some of you, was not you. It was the bride. And when you walked in, nobody could care less. Nobody turned around. Nobody stood up. But when she walked in, every head, that's how we're supposed to value our spouse. You're the most important person in this room. Let me, let me finish this. One translation said, value, value others above yourself. One translation said, with a sense of all. When you first fell in love, he called. You'd say, oh. <laughs> she kissed you and she was the most important thing in your world, in your life. I know you know how to do this. People who stay in love do it intentionally. They value her. They value him. The most important person. And, and I, I wish that I lived this. I wish that I did this as much as I need to do this. But I'm learning. And here's the thing that got me in this is Jesus. Then, then Paul, in a brilliant move, he, he moves from value one another. Then he says this in verse four, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of the other. <laughs> now he's going to get practical. Now he's going to say, the way that I know that you're valuing, valuing them is, is, is you're not just interested in what you're interested in, but your interest, their interest is your interest too. By intention, you expressed interest in the things they're interested in. Even, and that's hard because I'm interested in what I'm interested in. I am not interested in what you're interested in. I'm interested in welcome to marriage. You should have stayed single. Because marriage means I've got to be interested intentionally in what she's interested in. I, I just can't do that. I'm not going to fake. Well, when you fell in love and he said, he said, hey, hey, I love to run. You want to go running? You like to run? I love to run. You've never ran one quarter of a mile. You had to call your best friend and get a pair of tennis shoes. All you had was high heels. But you fell in love with, come on now, you fell in love with him and his interests were all, I can ask some people, what does your husband do? Something on a computer, I don't know. You don't even know what, what his world's like. Now here, here's the beauty of this. 
You did it when you were dating. You valued them. They were the most important person in the room. When she walked in the room, it was like a rock star walked into the room. Not only that, but I valued what she valued. You want to do this? You want to go to the mall, Jensen? When I met her, I loved the mall. I loved the mall. Come on, church. I'm preaching the truth. This is sacrifice. This is love, real love. Let me finish. Then Paul, in a brilliant move, he, he lays it out. And then in a brilliant move, he says, let me tell you who models this. Watch him now in Philippians 2 and 5. Jesus, when he was equal with God, did not consider equality with God to be taken advantage of. He never played the God card. When he wanted a relationship with you and me, listen now, he's the rock star. He's God. He's the most important person in the room, Jesus. And not one time when he wanted a relationship with you, did he pull the God card out and say, hey, me and my disciples are here. Give us the front row. Give us the best table in the restaurant. He never did it. He humbled himself. He valued you so much that, that even though he's the rock star, he's all about you. You're in the room and he's all, oh my God about you, about me. He, he was equal with God. He was not less than the Father, less than the Holy. He was equal, and yet he came down. He humbled himself. He said, I'd re I opt all the glory that I can have and being right all the time. I could walk around all day and I'm so holy, I could say, you're a sinner and you're a sinner and you're a sinner and I'm right and you're wrong and I'm right and you're wrong. And it had been exactly right. But he said, I love you so much that I will opt being right all the time for a relationship with you. And I'll come down, listen, and I'll humble myself and die in obedience on the cross and show you how to value somebody else's interest and value somebody else in the room besides yourself and lay down your life so that you can value somebody else more than you value yourself. And Jesus is saying, I want you to value your husband that way. I want you to value your wife that way, that when they're in the room, they're the rock star. They're the most important person in the world. Jesus said, I can have, I can have, I can be personally right. Listen carefully. I'm done, but listen. I can be personally right all the time. And this is so important for like successful people, you know, build a big business or pastors and people who've had some level of success in their life. We think that that title and that glory makes us somehow greater than our mate because they don't get the credit that we get. But look at Jesus. That's what messed me up. It's look at my Jesus. He, 
was equal with God. But he said, it ain't about me in this room. It's about that leper over there. It ain't about me in this room. It's about that woman in adultery five times, but I love her and boy, I see value in her and I'm interested in her and I know everybody should be making a big deal about me, but it's not about me. And then he says, that's how I want you to love your husband. That's how I want you to love your wife. I want you to love them. And you say, well, well what if they don't give it back? They may not. But when you do it, God's going to honor it and it's going to change your heart. Kingdom Connection is a soul-winning ministry that is reaching the world through broadcasting, expanding into new church campuses, and global acts of compassion. By using the technology of today to fulfill the Great Commission, we are able to connect with countless people and reach hundreds of thousands of lives. Our broadcast connects with people like you all around the world with messages that speak to them. Our ministry exists to help build a connection for strengthening your faith and living out your God-given purpose. And our missions and relief work help connect you to desperate situations, showing the love of Christ through global acts of compassion. We feel the time is right and God is leading us to grow, and that only happens when you partner with us through Connection Partnership. With as little as a dollar a day, you'll be helping us reach further than we've ever been before. To become a part of this ministry and enjoy exclusive partner benefits, visit us online at jensenfranklin.org. Hope starts with you. Together, we can do something incredible for the kingdom of God. Your support helps us preach the gospel to over 200 nations around the globe, produce inspirational resources, and continue support for outreach projects. All donations received through a campaign are subject to redirection at the discretion of the organization.